I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. As a young girl in the early 80s, Jennifer Keelan Chaffins, diagnosed with cerebral palsy two years after she was born, realized that she wasn't treated equally compared to her able-bodied peers and friends. She was stopped by the lack of ramps to buildings at school, not allowed to eat lunch with her friends, and shunned by her peers. Eager to prove that she can do anything everyone else can, Jennifer joined the disability rights movement and participated in her first protest when she was six years old. The deeply affecting image of Jennifer crawling up the steps of the Capitol went viral and is widely believed to have helped pressure Congress into passing the Americans with Disabilities Act. Winner of the Carter G. Woodson Award, Pimentel's new picture book chronicles the life of Jennifer Keelan Chaffins and her determination to fight for disability rights. Welcome to the show, Annette. Nice to have you on. So you have written, I think one of the things you, that you have, there are, what, approximately 60 million people in the United States with disabilities, which is a lot of people. Uh, Yeah. So your book and previous books that you've written uh, are extremely important. Tell us about how did you get interested, first of all, in in um, in, in Jennifer Keelan Chavins? Interested yeah, so in writing I her story. Write, yeah. Right. Um, I write stories about American history for young readers, and I'm personally especially interested in people who you've probably never heard of, but who did things that have profoundly shaped the world that we live in. Um, and I was thinking about, I've written about um, people who lived in the 1915s, um, people who lived in the 1960s, and I was thinking that I wanted to write something set a little more recently to our time. So I was thinking about the 1980s and 1990s and trying to think about what important events happened then. And I, I thought immediately of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it occurred to me that um, children probably would have no concept of a world without the accommodations that we've come to, to take for granted. I feel like that law has really profoundly changed public spaces in our country and also changed minds and attitudes. And so I was really excited about the idea of writing about the law, but, you know, writing about a law is potentially kind of a boring topic. So I was looking for a way into it that would intrigue kids. And as I was researching the history of the passage, uh, I came across the story of the Capitol Crawl, uh, which was a big march in Washington, D.C., with many disability rights groups and a group of people with mobility impairment um, planned, without letting the other groups know, actually, that uh, at a prearranged signal, they would climb out of their wheelchairs and and crawl up the steps of the Capitol. And it was intended to be a really graphic depiction of what it means to have barriers to access. Um, and Jennifer, at that point, was an eight-year-old girl, and she joined in that crawl, um, and that was what the news news reporters fixed on, was on the image of her crawling up the steps, and that ended up being one of the... Um, one of the influential pressures that caused Congress to pass the law. And so when I was reading about her story, I was really thrilled with the idea, uh, not only of being able to write about that law, but being able to write about the power of a child to, to act and to find her voice 
and to find a way to, to really nudge the world in a new direction. Because didn't they course, tell her I, or her mother, and her mother obviously was instrumental in having her do this, working with her, uh-huh. uh, that they, that she shouldn't do it, that she was too young to participate in this kind of an event. And yes. she's what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In the planning meetings, then they told her they were really, cons- I mean, she was eight years old and it was a very physically taxing thing. So they were concerned about her. They were also concerned about the problem of people with disabilities being infantilized, being seen as um, young children. And they were afraid that um, the image of a child crawling with them might contribute to that perception. And so they told her that she couldn't climb. Uh, and in the moment at the march, you know, she was there with everybody else and they started doing the crawl and she just started sobbing. And one of the um, the people without disabilities who was part of the group, um, Reverend Wade Blank, who people who know about the disability rights movement may know about him. He was really instrumental in the independent living movement. Um, he saw Jennifer crying and asked her, what the matter was, and she explained that she really wanted to crawl. And um, he looked at her and he said, Jennifer, do what's in your heart. And then he took her mother and just said, let's take a walk so that her mother wouldn't have to be implicated in this. And so Jennifer really did it on her own at that point. You know, she didn't have any adults around and she just decided, you know, I have to do this. And, um, and she, yeah, she did. It was an act of really great courage. So now she started doing those kinds of, she did this at age eight. So can we take her right. along her journey? Because now she's how old and what is she doing? I had, I did go to her website. Obviously, she's very active and very involved. And um, so, but tell us, you know, where this, this is how it started. And now we're, and, and you've had an opportunity, I assume, to talk to her uh, as you were writing your book. Or yeah. Be- yeah. Yeah, in fact, I decided when I read her story, you know, it's not my story. I'm not a person with disabilities at this point in my life. I I probably will be at some point. Um, But I decided I really needed her cooperation and her buy-in because it is her story. And so I approached her and asked if she was interested in doing it. And she worked really closely with me. Um, We did many interviews, both um, on the phone and via email, uh, she ended up writing the foreword for the book, and she's been um, also promoting it with me. But yeah, after the ADA passed, then she did continue her um, activism. Some of it was um, activism to make sure that the provisions of the ADA were fulfilled. Uh, she continued to be really active in protests in Colorado, where she lives, um, about uh uh, things like school opportunity, the ability of people with disabilities to have a, a streamlined or a mainstreamed, I'm sorry, a mainstreamed experience in school. Um, she ended up having a lot of problems with navigating the bureaucracy in high school and eventually um, just kind of gave up on the system and got her GED. And then she uh, studied at Arizona State University via distance and she graduated um, because many people with disabilities have cascading health problems, it was a long process for her as she had to take breaks um, to get surgeries and do other things. But she ended up graduating, uh, I think it was two or three years ago, from Arizona State University um, with her degree. And she's been um, pretty involved in housing issues and um, working to promote 
uh, public housing options and, and just generally housing options that uh, are accessible to people with disabilities. Yeah. And are these so, housing and options it, and what she's involved in? I was just going to ask you, and you probably, I'm probably have this kind of information, but are they are there federal? mandates federal laws and then there are state laws different states have different requirements for people with disabilities or how does that work or do you know oh that is a super good question and that is not my area of expertise i do know that the um, americans with disabilities act gives uh, people with disabilities rights in in housing and in access to housing. I don't know what the interface is between state and um, federal uh, regulations and laws. So I'm not helpful on that point. You know, it's interesting. I have a four-year-old grandson, and we've been reading about Helen Keller, and he's just fascinated with uh, with her story and, and being able to understand how brilliant she was and how she was able to accomplish everything she did and she couldn't see and she couldn't hear but she could feel and she could smell and touch and um, there are great uh, there are your book and and lots of other books really I think um, that are available for young children are so important I guess is what I'm saying I can, I can see that through my the eyes of my four-year-old grandson yeah, I was a really big Helen Keller fan when I was a little older than him. When I was about seven, I read a biography of her that deeply inspired me. And one thing that may be different for your grandson than for me is when I had that experience, then that was a very much a, a sense of um, of otherness. I had never met anybody like Helen Keller or anyone with any disabilities. Uh, you know, my schools did not have kids with disabilities. I didn't go to school with people with disabilities until I was at university. And yet I've seen my children throughout their entire school career, they've always gone to school with kids with disabilities. And I think that that's a huge um, strength for that the Americans with Disabilities Act has brought, that um, my kids have grown up with assumptions about what people are able to do and about the way the world should be set up. And that's also been a really uh, great joy as Jennifer and I have gone. Uh, we had one week before the shutdown started where we promoted the book together, and we did uh, elementary school visits in Denver, Colorado. And it was really great to be in those schools. And we noticed that after we had done our presentation, when we were in the question and answer period, then uh, many kids would raise their hand, not with a question, but because they wanted to tell us a story about someone who, with disabilities who was close to them. And I, I think that that's a real sea change that has come in our perception about the role of disabilities that, you know, when I first read about Helen Keller, it seems like I was reading about someone very, very different from me. And yet, as I listened to those kids in that school, um, I realized, and I hope it will become more so, that they saw disability as part of the human experience. Um, and that's something that I've come to realize as I did the research for the book, that I don't identify as a person with disabilities, but that it's very likely that at some point in my life I am going to be a person with disabilities, that it's, uh, you know, that it's a spectrum, that it's part of the human experience. Yeah, well, as we live longer as a society and you have grandparents who are 70s, 80s, 90s, and even in the hundreds, you're going to be living, you know, the 
three generational families, you kids will be living with, as you say, uh, more and more people who have disabilities as people age. But in in, in uh, listening to your story, I thought I went to. Uh, when I got my master's in social work, one of my professors had uh, cerebral palsy and, and quite severe, difficult to understand him. But once you got into the rhythm, brilliant, uh, got into the rhythm of how he spoke, um, it sort of all went away. And you, you un- and, and it was, I mean, a great classroom, but he was uh, an amazing person who um, has since died. But um, that was my first, I think, experience with someone as a teacher, as a professor. He was a yeah, professor. So, yeah, and I think that that's true. That um, that if we exclude people it, from any category, that we're losing an important part of the human experience. And we actually dealt with this a little bit with the book. Um, one of the things that my agent and I really wanted was to get an illustrator for the book who was someone with disabilities. And the and we really pressed the publisher for that. And eventually they told us, you know, with our vision of the book, we're just not finding the right illustrator with disabilities. So with great reluctance, we um, said, okay, well, you know, who do you want? And they chose someone whose art we liked very much. And I was really surprised as the art came in about the real emotional resonance um, that was in the art. And after the book came out... Um, Publishers keep kind of a, a wall between illustrators and writers, so I didn't speak to the illustrator until after the book came out. And in a conversation with him, I discovered that the reason he was interested in the book is he is, in fact, a person with disabilities. It was not something he had divulged to the publisher or his agent, which is just fine. Um, but I realized that the reason the art worked so well is partly because of his skill as an artist, but also because of his experience in um, dealing with disability. I think that he was able to bring an emotional resonance to the illustrations um, that came through immediately and made me very happy we had him, but um, that his experience, his life experience was able to inflect the illustrations. And I think that that's probably, was probably true about your professor as well, that there are experiences that, um, that individuals have that can be shared with others, but only through their own lived experience. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's something that the Americans with Disabilities Act makes um, makes all those experiences more accessible to all of us. I, and I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think it's, I had interviewed a, a young man on my show who had an MBA from, who has an MBA from Wharton, a very successful businessman in a wheelchair and went through the whole sort of, all of the things, even with the American with Disabilities Act, all of the things that he has to deal with when he has to go on a business trip and, a, uh, you know, a hotel will say that they have ramps and, yeah, they might have a ramp, but it's in, in, in the, you know, in, in the kitchen for him and he has to go to the kitchen to get into the dining room and he has a, a, a client with him and that's not exactly what he wants to do or present that kind of a picture, but all those kinds of nuances of having to struggle on a daily basis with things obviously that if you don't have a physical disability, you, you, you know, you don't have to do, but um, yeah, it's a, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was actually a real concern I had about the book. When I first got the idea for doing the book and Jennifer said she'd work with me, I thought that it was going to be like the story about triumph and, um, and success which in some ways it is, but as I got to know Jennifer more and as I did more research, I realized that the ADA, while it's very important, 
does not solve all the issues. Um, and, and in some ways, the ADA has been eroded over time. And so I was really concerned about how I could write a true story for kids that would have a sense of closure because, you know, a book has to have, have an ending, um, but that would still um, make it clear that the ADA didn't solve every problem that there is. And um, we really puzzled over that uh, and finally came up with the idea of um, making the ending kind of an open ending. And so um, so I'll actually just read a little bit. Um, This was the way we decided to end it. Laws like the ADA don't change things overnight. Entrances have to be rebuilt, sidewalks redesigned, buses re-engineered. Slowest of all, minds have to change. So Jennifer will continue shouting and waving signs, organizing and explaining. She will continue fighting for what she knows is right. And Jennifer has talked a lot in our, as we've promoted things about that idea, that slowest of all, minds have to change. And I don't think that's like a bright line. I don't think we cross a line where we say, okay, we thought one way before the, before the ADA, and now we think completely differently. I think it's a spectrum. And, um, and I hope that that will continue um, to incorporate and make places accessible. But I, I agree with you completely that this is not a done deal. It's not a done deal. And I th- as you say, I think that's really a very important point that you make. You can change the laws, but then changing attitudes can come decades later. It's a slow process. You know, you have to, yes, have the laws in place, but to change people's attitudes towards people with Americans with disabilities, it, it, it takes time. Well, and when you start with young people, like you are doing with your books uh, and your writing, I mean, that's where you have to begin. Yeah, and I think that um, I, well, obviously, because I'm a writer, I have a real belief and commitment to the power of books. And I think that what books do for all of us, but um, but especially for young children, is it gives them a chance to live for a little while somebody else's life. And that creates a great sense of empathy that allows them to see things from a different perspective. And um, I've experienced this as I've shared this book with, with children in schools. There's um, at one point in the book, as you mentioned in the introduction, then she um, goes into a classroom and the, and the girls in the class tell her that she'll never be one of them. And when we get to that point in the story, there's an audible gasp in the room and I think that's an important moment because I realize that those kids are feeling how it would feel to be in the position that Jennifer is. And we had a really sweet experience at a school where a a little girl came up to Jennifer after the program and told her, well, if, if you were in my class, then I would say to you, will you be my friend? And I, it's harder in the moment of real life to come up with those kinds of responses. But I think that books allow us to think about things from someone else's point of view and and give us a chance, like that little girl, to try to imagine what kind of reaction is the reaction that I would want to have in the moment. Um, And so I'm really pleased that publishers are showing such a commitment to publishing books from varied points of view and varied perspectives, because I think that's the way that we come to to new understandings and do allow our minds to eventually change. Now, what about your own family? I mean, you have, uh, I think I read that you have five children. 
I have six children, yeah. Six children, and you're one of six? It goes you all the way down the line? I'm one of seven. You're yeah. Seven. I'm from a long line of big families, yeah. So, um, yeah, and so maybe that's part of the reason I'm really interested in kids' reactions to books, yes. Uh, that's I, what I was going to ask that. you. What's the impact of your books, of this particular book, obviously, on your own children? Um, so my kids are grown up now. Uh, so my grandchildren, I, it makes me really happy to be able to share stories with them of, of people who are in some ways different than them, um, but showing them that those differences aren't the important thing, that the thing that matters are the ways that they're the same and the ways that they can um, find uh, find examples and heroes in people. Um, and this book has been really fun to share with my, my grandchildren and my um, some nephews who are also really young. Um, and they were doing, after I read it to them, then they were doing their own little march up. They were trying to climb up the steps of their house without their hands and they came back to me or without their legs I mean just using their hands and they came back to me and um, wanted to read the book again because they were so impressed with just her physical prowess in being able to do that and I thought that I was really pleased to see that they saw that they saw in a way even different than I had perceived um, the real heroism of what she was doing Um, and I think that I hope that they'll be able to carry on that sense of empathy uh, um, for other people and admiration for them. So, yeah, so I love that idea of being able to live for a little while in somebody else's life. Um, there was a, a, a um, the Young People's Literature, I can't remember his title, someone who promotes young people's literature had challenged children to read books about people from groups that they didn't identify with. And I think that that's a great thing for kids to try to do, to try to find books about people who are different than them and then figure out ways that they're not only different, but ways they're similar to them. Yeah, and I think those differences in pointing out that those differences are straight. Everybody has different strengths. And I think for little kids, as you gave an example of your grandchildren, I mean, think of the strength and the fortitude it takes trying to, climb up steps when you don't have the use of your legs and and that's a a strength that sort of permeates one's their character or their ability to accomplish things so that the differences are a good thing a positive thing um yeah yeah i agree with that yeah and one thing that jennifer likes to really um say to kids when we go to schools together is she always talks about how children have voices and that kids can choose something that they care about and raise their voice and that it is possible for a child to make a difference in the world. And I love that message too. I love the idea that um, kids don't feel like they just have to have things happen to them, but that they can talk about what matters to them and step up and make a difference with their own voices. It's great. Well, we have just a couple minutes left, so give us a website. Uh, that we can go to to what you can buy your book I assume on Amazon bookstores everywhere Um, and you can also purchase the book on my website the Catherine Zock show through Amazon you can get Annette's book as well so go ahead yeah Um, yeah and we would I would appreciate people purchasing the book and sharing it with people close to them I am also at um, Annette Bay Pimentel dot com 
And there are also links to the book through my publisher at sourcebooks.com. Great. Great having you on the show today. And looking forward to your next book. I don't know if you've... Uh, I have one coming out in 2021, but it has not been announced by my publisher, so I can't share about it yet. But thank you, and thank you for sharing. It's for allowing me to share my book. Great, thank you, Annette Bay Pimentel, and uh, yes, her title of the, the title of the book is "All the Way to the Top: How One Girl's Fight for Americans with Disabilities Changed Everything." Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 